Might as well go out with a bang, huh? I don't know what happened. Hope my message doesn't go that way. Well, I need to congratulate you. We started our study of Esther three and a half months ago, January 14th to be exact. How many of you were here at the very beginning of our study, January 14th, and you've been through, wow, that's a lot of folks, so praise the Lord. I'm, uh, what a neat adventure we've had together. Um, for those who went through the entire study, we have for each of you, as you leave today, a free drink of water at the drinking fountain. <laughs> Make sure you get that on the way out this morning. You know, um, I have loved this study. I, this has been a help for me. This has grown me, and, and I believe it's done something for our church family as well in, in our passion and desire to make more and better disciples. And, and um, I'd be curious, if God's done something in your heart over these last three and a half months, I would love to hear about it. And one of the best ways to connect with me is to go to Conover at eastbaycalvary.org. You'll see the, um, my email right on the website, and I'd love to get a direct connection from you. I, I had to tell you this one comical thing. Um, I was texting my I was texting my email to someone this week, and you know, um, below your text, it gives you autocorrect suggestions that come up underneath there, so I'm texting B. Conover, and I look down at my autocorrect, and I, if this isn't a sign from the Lord, I don't know what is, but I'm typing in B. Conover, and one of the autocorrect suggestions was bacon overload. I said, thank you, Lord, this is a sign, and I'm, I'm going to I'm gonna have to follow up on that. Anyways, I would love to hear what God has done in your heart over these last three and a half months, because this is what it's all about. We're not here just to fill up Sunday morning. You know, there's other things we can do with our time, but we believe it's important for us to have an encounter with God together. And to study his word together and to see what he can do in us to change us from what we are to more into Jesus Christ. Amen? And that's why we come together. So I pray that God is uh, encouraging you. Let me know what's been going on in your heart and life through this study. And we have walked through a riveting life journey of this young Jewish gal, this Jewish orphan girl. And beyond her parents' passing when she was young, she lived in a foreign land with her cousin Mordecai. Then if you've gone through this with us, you, you remember that she was then yanked from his home involuntarily because King Xerxes was looking for a new queen. And he pulled in hundreds of young girls all the way through the vast region of Persia. She was one of them. And then this year-long effort of the king to find a new queen, she eventually was made queen over Persia. She was placed in a life-threatening position after that when she had to go to the king after there had been no communication for a month, pleading for the life of the Jewish people and even her cousin Mordecai. And then in all of that, we see God, as we have sung over and over here this morning, 
remain faithful through all of these circumstances. And you know, when we go through trials in our lives, one question gnaws at our heart. And I know you've asked it, I've asked it, and here's the question. When we go through challenges, oftentimes we ask this question, God, where are you? Where are you, God? And and sometimes it can be difficult. We look at issues and stories in the Bible. We see accounts where God showed up through a burning bush or through manna from heaven or through, you know, the seas parting and and you see all these different accounts and, and you wonder, God, I saw you work there, but what about here? What about now? What about my life? What about my home? What about my marriage? My kids, my finances, I've seen you do it in the past. But where are you? Will you do it again? And so here today, we're going to talk about not asking the question, where are you, God? But now we're at the end of the story, and we're looking back, and we're going to say, okay, God, where were you through this? What are evidences that you were there, and you were helping in Esther's life? So I want to encourage you, grab your copy of the scriptures and turn to Esther in chapter 9. And because of our snow day a couple weeks ago, I'm taking Esther 9 and 10, and we are blending them into one. This is two for the price of one today, folks. So two services and two messages clumped into one. And I want to give you, in these last two chapters, Three overarching themes to help us through these questioning times. Three overarching themes to help us through these questioning times of life. Where were you, God? So here we go. I want to give this to you. This is the main theme of Esther. We can't forget it. And here's what it is. Number one, God is always there and always on time god is always there and always on time and can i just get a big fat amen from the people he is thank god for the end of the story if this account ended in chapter five this would stink you know I'd be like, and so they were going to kill all the Jews, and Esther was afraid to go into the king. Let's close in prayer. That would stink. And praise God, we get to look from the end, and we get to look back, and in this hindsight being 2020, when we ask the question, where were you, God? We find out in Esther's life, he was there the entire time. And he waited until exactly, precisely the very right second, and bam, did he just crank it. And he did exactly what needed to be done. One day, there's this news reporter who asked Roger Maris, and I'm not sure if you remember who Roger Maris was. For years, he held the major league record for home runs in a single season at 61 home runs. And... They asked him, Roger, what is your secret to hitting 61 home runs in a single season? And here's what he said. He he never said you need 
incredible power, nor did he talk about arm strength, not even bat speed. You know what he said? The secret to hitting a home run is this one thing, timing. He says you've got to have precision timing. Well, the secret to hitting a home run is to hit it right on time. And may I tell you, when God worked in the life of Esther, he hit an absolute home run. Right on time, exactly the way it should be done. Can I show you 10 home runs of God in the book of Esther? Just look at these. These are right on your study guide right there in the back of your worship folder. God was with her when she was orphaned. And imagine losing both parents, living in a foreign land with her cousin Mordecai, and you wonder, how in the world can someone go through that? Well, you know what? God was with her when she was orphaned. God was with her when she was taken from Mordecai's home by the king's men, one of the hundreds of young ladies in the scheme of the king to find a queen, and God was there. God gave her favor with King Xerxes when she approached him. Remember, she said, I can't go in there. I haven't spoken to him for a month. God was with her. God gave her favor with the king through the two banquets that she prepared. And, and she took him to one and he said, hey, whatever you want. And he said, well, what I want is another one. Come back to the next banquet. And he did. And God was with her even through that whole approach. And I don't know if you remember this, but God gave Xerxes insomnia. And he couldn't sleep one night. And, and God was in all of that because here in his inability to sleep, he said, read me the chronicles of my reign. And so they started to read that to him. And, um, and as he looked through it, they realized that Mordecai tried to save the king and he was never recognized. And if you remember this from our study, not only did God bring Mordecai's kindness to memory at that very moment, God was in the timing because Haman entered. And if you remember that whole dialogue with Xerxes says to Haman, what should we do for someone who's been so good to the king? And Haman thought it was himself, and instead uh, it was actually Mordecai, and Haman had to walk around saying Mordecai's a great guy and the best in all the kingdom. And uh, God was in all of that. God caused Xerxes to side with Esther as Haman's plot was exposed. God caused Haman's final removal. You remember the poll that was... 75 feet in the air that was reserved to impale Mordecai. And instead of Mordecai up there, it was Haman. God caused Mordecai's power to rise and the signet ring that was Haman's, the estate that was Haman, all of that went to Mordecai. And Mordecai ended up becoming the second most powerful man only behind Xerxes in all of Persia. And then look at verses 1 through 4 of chapter 9. 1 through 4 of chapter 9. And here's the last thing. We see this in a big way with Haman and what God did and how he showed up and cared for this decree of Haman over all of Persia. And I think this is an appropriate time to just have us stand for a second and let the blood that is in our feet, somehow make it up to our head so we can stay awake and think through the rest of our time together. So here we go. Verses 1 through 4 of Esther and chapter 9. Listen to this as I read this to you. 
On the 13th day of the 12th month, the month of Adar, the edict commanded by the king was to be carried out. I don't know, this is the edict that Haman set up where all the Jews were to be killed and everything plundered. However, God gave to Mordecai, now that Haman was gone, the ability to enact a new edict where the Jews could avenge themselves. So notice this. On this day, the enemies of the Jews had hoped to overpower them. But now the tables were turned and the Jews got the upper hand over those who hated them. The Jews assembled in their cities in all the provinces of King Xerxes to attack those determined to destroy them. And I love this. No one could stand against them. Because the people of all the other nation, nationalities were afraid of them. And all the nobles of the provinces, the satraps, the governors, the king's administrators helped the Jews because fear of Mordecai had seized them. Mordecai was prominent in the palace. His reputation spread throughout the provinces. He became more and more powerful. Isn't that fantastic? Here's what happened, and you can have a seat now. Here's what happened in all of the land God showed up and showed he was there all the way through because God allowed the Jews to avenge any attack. And as you go through chapter 9, and we're not going to read every verse, but we see that they were able to, they were able to protect themselves and everyone that came to them, they were able to strike down even to the numbers of thousands of people. And God protected these people. God protected his people. And we started this account knowing it was a narrative with no miracles, no supernatural events, no mention of God, no mention of the scriptures, and it begged the question, where are you, God? Well, here we are at the end of the account, and I think we can see quite clearly God was there. God not only was there, he was there the whole time, and he acted right on time in every situation. And you know, it's always easier at the end of the story to look back rather than sometimes at the beginning looking forward. That was the truth of Esther's story. It's the truth of ours. You know, I've had the pleasure of being with some people in their very last days. You want a blessing? You want a blessing, you be with someone in their last days and you ask them this question. How is God taking care of you? Now there's something that many of you don't know here this morning and that is um, about a couple weeks ago I actually took a sneak, quick, one day trip, 24 hours um, back to New York State because there's a dear woman of our family who was passing. And uh, she, had, she had battled with cancer, and her last days were coming. And the family called me, and they said, you know what, they've, they've just given her a couple days. And I got on a plane, and I flew out there, and I went, and I saw her, and I got a hotel room, and I got in a plane, and I came back because um, this, this woman has just been a gem to us. And here she is, 84 years old, and she could barely lift her head. She could barely say a word. And she's laying in her bed at home. 
And I plopped on the bed alongside of her, and some of her kids were standing around, and I said to her, Marilyn, how has God been good to you? Now, I want to tell you, I left here, Traverse City, at 2.30 in the morning. And then I left for Scranton, from Scranton to come back at 4.30 the next morning. And I don't know if you've ever gotten up at 2.30 one morning and 4.30 next morning. You don't really feel God's been good to you. But apart from that, here's a woman on her deathbed who can barely utter a word. And tears coming down her face and she says, Oh, pastor, God's been so God has given me my family. She talked about her kids and her grandkids. And, and she said, and God's given me salvation and I know I'm going to heaven. And here she is at the very end of her story and she's looking back and saying, look how good God's been. And I want to tell you folks, I don't know where you are in your story. Maybe you're at the early part. Maybe you're in the middle and you're saying, what in the world? I'm going to tell you, no matter what your feelings are, the reality is God is there all the way through. And I want to give you four verses. These are gems. You've got to see these. They're in bold there. And, and look them up when you get home. Write them down. These are treats. Look, look at these. In fact, how about we take a moment? Do we have them up here? Can we read these together? We've talked about them in the past. These are excellent verses to remember together. Let's read them together. This is Romans 8, 28. Read it with me. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called. And then look at this one from Romans 8, 35 and 38 through 39. Let's read this together. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in... Here's another gem, Hebrews 13, 7. Check this one out. Jesus Christ is the same... And then this last one, we have got to marinate on this together. Hebrews 13, 5, let's say it together. God has said. And here's the beauty of that verse. There's actually a triple negative in the original language. And here's how it reads if you looked it up in that language. It says, God has said, I will never, never, never leave you nor forsake you. And if you're wondering now, where are you, God? I'm here to tell you, folks, he's right there. He's never gone anywhere. And he never will go anywhere. And he cares for his people. I love this poem. I got to give this to you. He was just a little lad. On the week's first day, was wandering home from Sunday school and dwaddling on the way. 
He scuffed his shoes into the grass. He found a caterpillar. He found a fluffy milkweed pod and blew out all the filler. A bird's nest in a tree or head, so wisely placed on high, was just another wonder caught by his eager eye. A neighbor watched his zigzag course and hailed him from the lawn, asked him where he'd been that day and what was going on. Oh, I've been to Sunday school. He carefully turned to sod and found a snail beneath it. I learned a lot about God. Mm, a very fine way, the neighbor said, for a boy to spend his time. If you'll tell me where God is, I'll give you a brand new dime. Quick as a flash, his answer came. Nor were his accents faint. I'll give you a dollar, mister, if you tell me where God ain't. He's there. And the message of Esther rings loud and clear. He is always there. He is always on time. You can rely on God. Yeah. Here's number two. This is kind of fun stuff here. I love this. Number two for your notes. Remember and celebrate his goodness. Now here's what happened. So he was always there. <clears throat> And at the end of the story, we celebrate like, this is fantastic. Look at what God did. And look at what he did for them. If you'll look at verse 20 through 22 in Esther chapter 9, Mordecai recorded these events. This, so this has got to be written down. He recorded the events. He sent letters to all the Jews throughout the provinces of King Xerxes, near and far, to have them celebrate annually the 14th and 15th days of the month of Adar. As the time when the Jews got relief from their enemies and as the month when their sorrow was turned into joy and their mourning into a day of celebration, he wrote them to observe the days as days of feasting and joy and giving presents of food to one another and gifts to the poor. Now this is the very beginning. Here is the birth of the, the Jewish celebration, annual celebration of Purim. And this is a Jewish holiday every year. In fact, this past year, it was February 28th and um, March 1st this year, right here in 2018. This is an annual Jewish celebration. And it specifically dates back to this very event 2,500 years ago. And God's saying, I want you to remember this. You've got to remember this. And not only do you need to remember it, your children and your children's children and your children's children's children. It goes through this. You have to remember. You have to celebrate. And this is the celebration that the Jews had of Purim. Now, you ask, why in the world do they call it that? Well, if you look back at chapter 3, verse 7, look back at chapter 3, verse 7, and you're going to find out why they call it this. Because when Haman wanted to kill the Jews, he was wondering, what day are we going to kill all the Jewish people? And then he decided, you know what we'll do? We will 
Chapter 3, verse 7, in the twelfth year of King Xerxes, in the first month, the month of Nisan, the poor, that is, the lot, was cast in the presence of Haman to select a day and a month, and the lot fell, or the poor felt, on the twelfth month, the month of Adar. And isn't this interesting? They named their whole celebration and holiday after this lot that was cast to kill them. It's kind of a whole irony, like, yeah, the Purim, they cast the lot, but guess who was really in control of this whole thing? So they had this huge celebration. And now for 2,500 years, and it continues on every year on these two days where they celebrate God's goodness <clears throat> to them and rescuing them. And there is something in here for us. <clears throat> because how quickly we forget, how quickly we forget the many things God has done for us. And when we forget, we fret, and we worry What's he going to do? And I think he wants us to set up these celebrations to remember he did it before. Like the song we sang, he'll do it again. And we need to remind ourselves of this. And one way to combat forgetting is this, is celebrating. Celebrating God's goodness. Celebrating God's deliverance, God's provision. And we need to be celebrators. And, and I got thinking, you know, what, what things can we celebrate? Well, for me, today I celebrate that a year ago this time was, was the church vote to bring my family here to East Bay Calvary. So we have just a little, now I'm celebrating this. This is my party. This isn't your party. We celebrate what God has done. You need to, what do you celebrate what God's done in your life? And, and you know, we celebrate anniversaries. And how long we've been together with our spouse. And a part of that we need to do because you look over, like I do and my wife, and you realize, man, God's been real good to me beyond what I deserve. And then we also celebrate, because I don't want her to kill me for forgetting it. You could celebrate when you trusted Jesus. See, right here, right here, June 11th, 1975. You can celebrate when you trusted Jesus. You can celebrate when he provided for you. You can celebrate when he changed your life, when, when you overcame an addiction. You can celebrate when he saved your marriage. You can celebrate when your kids came to him. You can remember and celebrate, and there's something in celebrate. And I really think when we forget, when we stop thinking about all that God's done in the past, that's when we become overwhelmed and consumed what's going to happen. And we need to remember and we need to celebrate. So you know what would be awesome? Let's do this big celebration. Got this idea. You know, let's get together. Let's sing and celebrate. And we can sing songs of God doing great things and being faithful to us and his sacrifice on the cross for us. And <clears throat> in this big celebration, we can 
take some time and maybe I'll like do something from the Bible and tell us of God's great deeds and maybe we could have this cool thing for our kids where they can learn how awesome God is and they can celebrate him and then we could go into our world and tell them <clears throat> how awesome God is and invite them to this big celebration so to pull this off I've got this great idea how about every Sunday morning we get together and you realize what we're doing right now is supposed to be a celebration of how awesome God is. To remind, there we go, to remind us of his goodness and his provision. And we, we combat this fierce fretting that goes on in our minds. And we remind ourselves of his greatness and his goodness. And my time runs out. I, I figured I want to once in this three and a half months end on time once. Today's going to be that day. Maybe. He's always there. He's always on time. The other theme, we need to remember and celebrate God's goodness. Write him down. Celebrate early and often. And then here's number three. This is a huge theme of Esther. Be a difference maker in your world. Be a difference maker in your world. If you look at chapter 10, and this is a small chapter of, of Esther, <clears throat> notice it says King Xerxes imposed tribute or a tax throughout the empire to its distant shores and all his acts of power and might together with a full account of the, catch this, the greatness of Mordecai, whom the king had promoted. Are they not written in the book of the annals of the kings of Media and Persia? Mordecai the Jew was second in rank to King Xerxes. Second in rank. Preeminent among the Jews and held in high esteem by his many fellow Jews because he worked for the good of his people and spoke up for the welfare of all the Jews. Now, here's this tax. It's, it's a little ironic, we're two weeks from tax day, you know, two weeks ago. Kind of reminded me of this woman, um, she was at a store and her son swallowed a dime. And he was choking and she screamed for help and this man came over and grabbed the boy by his heels and held him upside down and shook him and <laughs> this dime came out and oh, they felt such relief. And the woman said, oh, thank you, mister. I'm so indebted to you. She said, you knew just what to do. Do you work at the hospital? And he said, no, I work for the IRS. <laughs> well, here's Mordecai, a Jew in the land of Persia. Gang, Persia was not the beacon of Christianity. This was a pagan world and here this man rises to the position of second in command in paganville and god used him in a crazy way along with this jewish orphan girl to save millions of jews and then not only that 
He saved a lineage of Jesus because Jesus came from these people. And Jesus died on the cross to save us. And all of that came from a little Jewish orphan girl and her cousin. Can you believe that? And if they can have that happen, if God can make that happen with a little Jewish orphan girl and her cousin in pagan Persia, he can have you, every one of us here, be difference makers in our world in Traverse City, Michigan, and the surrounding area. He can do it. And he wants us to do it. And I know some of us get scared when we think about being a difference maker. I'd rather be a wallflower. Why do I need to stand out? Why do I need to say anything? And you know what? Away with fear. Have we lost sight of our God? Have we forgotten how big he is? Do we think he's lost his power that maybe he is less than what he was back then? Have we forgotten what great things he's done with regular people like you and me? And changing even a pagan world for him. Would you stand with me? You know, I've seen some Christians... I've seen some Christians say that they're making a difference and really they act like idiots. And God isn't calling for idiots. He's calling for influencers. He's calling us to be Jesus in our world. And and when you stick your neck out, when you tell others about Jesus, when you get nervous and you wonder, I'm gonna do this, am I all alone? And I ask, God, where, where are you, you know? Where are you? I'm here to tell you, and if Esther were standing here this morning, she would tell you, he's right there. Stick your neck out. Be a difference maker in your world. Rely on God, because he's always there, and his timing is always right. Amen? He's faithful, amen? What a great God. He's no less than what he's always been. What he was for Esther and for Mordecai, he is for us. Trust him. Follow him. Stick our neck out there. Let him be in our lives. Doing big things for him just like he's always done all along. I want to... let you know um, this next week we talk about courage like Esther I invite you to be a part of that then if you could believe it's Mother's Day how quickly this is happening it seemed like spring started like just a week ago and then at the end of the month we begin a brand new series called All In Taking Risks for those most at risk. And that's going to be really fun. But as you leave today, I want you to think about a woman who's served God on the mission field for 50 years and we've supported her 
for many of those years is Beth Anna. And as you go, there are boxes at each door, whether upstairs or down here. We just want to give her a special gift saying, we love you. Happy retirement from East Bay Calvary Church. So if there's something that you could do to encourage her on the way out, um, we're going to be doing that right now. But you be encouraged on the way out. Let's do big things for God. Connect with me this week on email. I'd love to hear from you how God's been changing you over these last three and a half months. God bless you.